Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better, racier. Mm. We're taking suggestions from our panel, the audience here at the Black Box Theatre as part of Northern Ireland Science Festival and the natural world to try and work out what the next stage in our evolution should be. For example, do we need an extra foot or for listeners on the continent, an extra 30.5 centimetres? Tonight I'm joined by three uppity arrangements of carbon in the form of our guests. Immediately on my right here, making pitches for what should be in our next stage of humanity, we've got Shane McKee. Shane is a clinical geneticist at the Belfast City Hospital. Shane, can you tell us about the 100,000 Genomes Project that you're involved in? Well, we're, we're starting with 100,000 and seeing if we can go on, but the 100,000 is not really a very big number. Six billion is a big number, and six billion, if you include three billion from your mother and three billion from your father, is the number of nucleotides that are in your DNA, the number of units of inheritance, effectively, that are passed on from parent to child. Um, in, each, in each generation. So what we're trying to do with the 100,000 Genomes Project, which is a big thing run by the English, but we're kind of trying to pitch on to the end of it if we, if we can, um, is to find out what the causes are of genetic disease and, in fact, disease in general. So what are the actual factors within our DNA that make us more susceptible or less susceptible to certain forms of disease, and then we'll try and cure them. Okay, from that, we're also joined in the far right, we've got Trina O'Connell, who's recently completed her PhD in glycobiology and microfluidics at Dublin City University. Microfluids, is that what students are calling shots these days? They're actually macro because they can be measured in centimetres. Microfluids is what they want to give you at the bar, but they're not legally allowed. So if you've been shortchanged... Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's legal measures that they have to... Uh... I'm just imagining you now with some Sambuca and a pipette. I hope you're... It'd be very cheap night. Very cheap. Perfect. So they're going to be pitching ideas for what they want to see in the next stage of humanity. And judging us is going to be a comedian and Rubik's Cube enthusiast, Matthew Collins. Rubik's Cube enthusiast sounds like the world's strangest euphemism, doesn't it? Well, you know, the, the longer you play with it, the harder it gets. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got nimble fingers and I really know me way around a box. But <laughs> Are you really good at picking stickers off things? Nah, you see, that's cheating. That, that, that is genuinely cheating. No, no I, I 
genuinely I want to do it properly. I have one at the I'm, I'm not going to do it here. We're, this is audio, but uh, I, I did. Just fake it. Make clicking noises. I, I, act, I actually have a Braille one that you don't have to be able to see. So it, it would actually be... No, that doesn't work that way, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but I have one with little raised bumps on it, so you can do it without looking at it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the latest addition to my collection. I absolutely yeah. love it. As well as being a comedian, you work in... Uh, I work in Queen's University, Belfast, as a lecturer in computer science as well. Okay, is that funny? It can be, but uh, no. <laughs> well, okay, they're going to be giving us suggestions, and we'll also be getting ones from our audience here at the Black Box Theatre as part of Northern Ireland Science Festival. Give yourselves a round of applause and a warm welcome. try and show us the things that are actually happening in the world at this very minute in terms of the advances of science. Our panel here has brought along some news stories. So, starting with you, Trina, what's grabbed your eye? So, um, as a glycobiologist, which means I study sugar, I'm very interested in the latest trends in xenotransplantation and in particularly in what they're doing to pigs to make them a lot more compatible with humans. What's a xenotransplant? A xenotransplant is when you take an organ from an animal that's not human and you transplant it in. Now, it's hard enough to transplant an organ from a human into another human, so there's even more obstacles when you go from animals to human. And one of the main obstacles is actually... Animals have a different sugar on the surface of their cells to us. So us and the primates, we're missing this thing called alpha-1,3-galactose. But Is this like honey-baked ham? <laughs> honey-baked ham contains it. And you could get really unlucky, actually. There's a thing called a red meat allergy, where you get bitten by a tick somewhere in North America that's eaten a deer recently, or eaten the blood of a deer. And now that's you a become... a big tick, actually. A big <laughs> tick. <laughs> And now you become immunised against the sugar in the deer, which is an all-red meat, and you can never again eat a beef burger. No. Isn't that horrific? So these What, pigs, your body rejects it? Yeah, no, no, you start to feel really sick and kind of unwell. And the other thing that really interests me about the xenotransplantation is if you were allowed to eat research animals, we could give it to these people with the allergies. But more importantly... Because, you know the way David Cameron is the gift that keeps on giving? <laughs> Austerity, pig jokes, things like that. They've also recently did this massive record-breaking um, inactivation of 62 porcine endogenous retroviruses. So these are viruses encoded in the DNA of the pigs that could potentially come back out and infect the person who got the pig transplant. But they're abbreviated to pervs. <laughs> so thanks, David Cameron, for austerity and all sorts of wonderful porcine-related... But would you be then saying that there's a possibility of these pig viruses entering the human disease pool... In through, principle. ...through interaction with these animals in an uncooked state? In principle, David Cameron should have caught something. Um, no, the idea... Well, the idea is that these viruses tend to jump. Like, if they're sitting in a genome and all of a sudden, one day they get activated. And pig viruses tend to be very similar to human viruses. We tend to catch them. So the one that you'll all know are kind of, you know, the, the bird flu... The big fear with bird flu was that it gets into pigs, and when it gets into pigs, it changes enough to be like human flu. Like, we're way too close to pigs. Like, just as a concept, you know? We eat them, we live with them. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, my beloved. Um, 
And I don't know, I think having them okay. for hearts could be interesting as a stopgap measure, but we have to do so many changes, like knocking out these sugars and the pervs. We have to get rid of pervs. <laughs> okay, so your pitch is we have to get rid of pervs. We have to get rid of pervs. Can you, exp can you clarify this for me? Because you're saying it's all down to sugar. Some of it's down to sugar. There's actually loads of changes that have to be made. The main, sugar, the main change I'm interested in is knocking out the sugar so that you can put the animal heart into a human or even a primate. Like they've done studies where they've knocked out the sugar and they've put um, kidneys into baboons for up to 200 days working, which is massive. Like, imagine mm. if you were stuck for a kidney and you could just take one for 100 days until someone got run over by a bus. Or, you know, like they've got another one where a baboon heart was put into, or um, a pig heart without the sugars was put into a baboon for like two years, a bit over two well, years. A stopgap is a good thing. But actually, as a stopgap, yeah. it's even pretty handy because sometimes you're not ready for the transplant, but someone's been run over by a bus. Or you weren't ready for the transplant, but someone hasn't been run over by a bus. Now, we could increase the number of bus services, but again, David Cameron <laughs> has put an end to that one. Can pigs get diabetes? And can you take the sugar out? Of the, does that help? Uh, sorry. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of work to get the insulin um, generating cells out of pigs into humans as well. You wrap them in a kind of protective bubble so your immune system doesn't see these pig cells. Some, some forms of insulin are pig-derived. Yeah, no, no. Um, and people become allergic to them with time, um, which is a bit of a pain, to be honest, because then you have to switch to a different type of insulin or you just have to die. Um, <laughs> So I'm not sure. I, I would guess pigs could get diabetes, but we tend to be pretty controlling in what we feed them because we don't want to conform to the stereotypes of fat pigs. So we take care of them in agricultural... Uh... We just put the sugar on the bacon afterwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honey roast ham. And... Okay, so you're, you're saying that we have to... I'm, I'm just because I'm trying to articulate this in a sentence. We're going to make pigs less sugary. <laughs> less sugary and less pervy. Less... <laughs> wow. <laughs> And less pervy. <coughs> I find this love. This is. I think xenotransplants is a fantastic idea. It just it sounds amazing because, actually, why bother with the organs that we already have? Why not just get some of the other cool stuff? Like why not? I don't know a trotter. Here and there. You see, trotters are something that you boil and you <coughs> the outsides off them. I'm not sure. No, but like, do you know what I mean? So like, there's. You know, we could just, we're talking about, say, grafting on wings then. Like, there's going to be other abilities we could take. Not from pigs. Pigs don't fly, as we well know. Do you know what? But Gills would be deadly, because the amount of times I swallow my own dribble down the wrong way, gills would sort me right out. That would be a source of oxygen. It would. That, that, yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> this is going to take French kissing to a whole new extreme. I'm telling you, you'll be able to breathe all, and even if you've got a head cut, you'd be, oh, man. Right, forget the pigs, we're getting gills. <laughs> so, pigs less sugary to allow us stopgap organs. That's a fantastic idea. Shane, what has caught your eye in the news this week? Well, it was very hard to not be grabbed by the testicles uh, <laughs> that were in the, <laughs> in the news relatively recently. There are, are apparently, according to scientists in Oxford, one of whom I know, um, he has, he's found out that, uh, that there are these mutant sperm factories that are hijacking men's testicles as they get older and making the, the little sperm bend to their will. And this actually is important for human beings because um, there's a certain class of genetic disorders, gene diseases, um, which are called the, uh, the FGFR growth disorders, skeletal dysplasias that are due to this fibroblast growth factor receptor that are caused by mutations that are typically passed on by males, but more of them get passed on the older you get. And these cells inside the, the testes are 
reproducing at a faster rate than the normal ones. So as you get older, your testicles become more and more colonized with these mutant cells that then have this higher risk of passing on genetic diseases. And that's quite scary. Do we know of any way of solving it? Because like, surely one of the best things about having testicles is that you have two of them, surely. And, and guys actually make their sperm uh, fresh, whereas ladies are born with theirs. Like one of my favorite facts is always uh, that each and every one of us was at some point inside our grandmother. Because whenever our mothers had their eggs and they were inside the womb, they were inside our granny. So they've had those for all that time where sperm are made fresh. So is there any way we can shut down these mutant factories? There's, there's actually a really, really easy way, and that's to get young men to donate the sperm, put it in the bank, and then whenever they grow old and wise like ourselves and decide that they're going to have babies like Simon here, um, the idea would be that you would uh, go to the freezer and you'd take out oh, some so of your, your own. Your own, yeah. So yeah. we can start hassling you about the biological clock as well. Tick, Pretty much, talk, yeah, yeah. Tick, talk. Oh yeah. my! <laughs> I feel all uncomfortable now. No, I do. I do actually wonder about that, actually, because again, my friends were always saying to me that uh, you know guys are lucky they have no biological clock, and we do because it's the person yeah. we're with. You know, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, it's it's real interesting because I've talked to a lot of women in their kind of early thirties who've had their GP mention to them, "Have you considered freezing your eggs?" But we should be freezing sperm we as should well. Be freezing but you should be freezing your sperm instead, as well, which is a little less invasive now, let's be honest. Iceland right. is going to be a very different supermarket in the future. <laughs> What's caught your eye? What uh, have you seen, Matthew? Yeah, well, the, the article that I dug out was, uh, it was it was a summary article on weird and interesting people. The headline was just, do superhumans really exist? And it was it was looking at people who have strange and wonderful abilities. And a few jumped out at me, but they, they, it even gave them special names. So there's a guy, a Dutch guy called Wim Hof, uh, and his, he's, he's called the Iceman. Uh, and apparently through, uh, through special breathing techniques and uh, meditation, he can control his core body temperature, and he can swim in, like, really, really icy cold water uh, and not get cold. Uh, I mean, like anyone who grew up on the Atlantic coast? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but but he's, he, he actually holds like 20 world records for extreme uh, cold weather stuff and he's, he's climbed Everest in just shorts. Uh, wow. and also, look, so he, he's an interesting guy, but it, it's, it's more that, the, yeah, they, they give him this superhero name, the Iceman. Can he have the first look of an ice cream without wincing? Ah, no brain freeze. Yeah, there's, a, there's a question. But the one that really spoke to me uh, on, on that article uh, was, was uh, there's, there's another guy, uh, a guy called Daniel Kish, uh, and he's, he's blind. Uh, he, he lost his eyes uh, to, to cancer uh, at, at, a, at a young age, and they call him the Batman. Uh, and I don't think that's right, he's, uh, because he didn't lose his parents, uh, but he, uh, he... That's a very niche joke, actually, you know that. He's, he's more like the daredevil, actually. The, dare, the daredevil, for those of you who don't know, he, he, got, he was in uh, a bit of resurgence there in Netflix there recently. Daredevil, Matt Murdock, uh, who as a child, a comic book uh, superhero, but as a child there was a car crash, there was a toxic waste spillage, uh, and he lost his sight. Uh, but as a result of this, all his other senses became incredibly enhanced, uh, and he became an amazing superhero. You know, he was he was able to read with his fingertips because other blind people can't do that. You know, but uh, <laughs> but no, da- Daniel Kish, like the Daredevil, can actually uh, he's got human echolocation. He c- he can make like clicking sounds and 
hear, hearing the echo come back, he can actually picture a room. There's an amazing TED talk uh, from him where he, he goes out and trains other blind people to, to, to uh, master these skills and they can lead more active lives as a result. But in the TED talk, he has, he has a, like an audience, he gets them to all raise their hands and then he asks some sort of question. He says, those of you that this question applies to, lower your hands. And he's able to judge how many people, roughly, you know, percentage-wise, how many people in the room have just lowered their hands, and he's genuinely blind. This is, this is partly down to um, plasticity of the brain, though, isn't Aye. it? Because the way, if we lose senses, you're, the other senses start effectively almost invading that part of the neural tissue to, to take it. To take over. And, Which yeah. does mean that people who are, are blind literally do hear the world in a different way. And it's, yeah, the, the brain is a, basically able to remap, and he describes what he can see, and it is basically sonar. You know, he, he, he's able to get this sort of picture in his mind of what, what, what the room is like. Does, does he then have like a, a richer sound experience in general? So, for example, could he talk to dolphins? No. I don't know if they can talk Why back. Why would you want to talk to dolphins? They, they dolphins so are arseholes. Dolphins are arseholes. I, I will you back should, you up You should up talk this. to arseholes. <laughs> go on, tell us, tell us why. Well, why dolphins, your opinion? What dolphins, dolphins have, have done been to known to be bullying each other and participate in gang rape. And we all go and praise Fungi down in Derry, in Dingle, in Kerry. And actually, he's we an arsehole. praise Fungi? Have you not gone down That's to Dingle? That's a mushroom. Dingle? This is confused. all Kerry has to offer is um, that and island that they did the Star Wars on and a dolphin. Ooh, they're all arseholes. You're just lucky that the internet hasn't reached them yet, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on the way. There's a lot more Kerry people in this room than I realise, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't see any hands going on. No. It's a lovely place, actually, if you get a chance. And dolphins, they, true enough, they're great to watch, but they are horrible. And the reason we know that they're intelligent is because they're horrible, actually. Because they've got all the worst things that mankind do, and they do it as well. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the kind of news which is actually going on. That's the things you're finding in the real world right now. But let's turn it up a notch. Our guests here have come up with ideas of their own, things that they would like to see in the next phase of our evolution. Let's start with you, Trina. What do you fancy? I'm actually really selfish, and you may or may not hear, but I have a bit of a head cold, and I regularly get a full-blown head cold. And um, one of my favourite things in this world is food. Those of you at home can't see me, but I'm a round, happy lady. And that's possibly because I really enjoy eating food, and food is very much about taste. But when you taste food, you don't just simply taste it with your tongue. It goes through your nose as well, and there's a lot of kind of aromatic... Um, sort of receptors in your nose that suddenly allows you to taste things. But when you have a head cold, that all goes away and you can't taste very well. And if you're really unlucky, it completely goes away and you can taste nothing. Um, I do recall having one of the best textured toasted cheese sandwiches of my life. <laughs> I know it was filled with butter and cheddar and it was particularly nice bread, but all I can remember of it is the texture. And I would love that if I had some olfactory receptors in my mouth as well as in my nose it would allow me to be able to taste things when I have a cold because let's be honest curing the common cold now that's that's way out there but having olfactory receptors in my mouth would be much more achievable can I um can I add to this then actually perhaps as a different notion because uh, octopuses have got olfactory sensors in their arms so why, like, wouldn't pick and mix be an amazing experience? Oh, yeah, <laughs> but they, yeah, no, we have to charge you for tasting the sweets as you're collecting them. <laughs> now, I'm going to throw up an anatomical problem here, though, because if your olfactory receptors are wired into your brain through these little olfactory lobes that sort of just run up the top of your nose, I mean, you really would have to reroute those babies down into, down past your sinuses and then into the top of your mouth, in which case, if you've got a cold 
that might interrupt them anyway because that would get all inflamed and would block the. Oh, I experience. already hate my sinuses. That's fine. We now, could get them removed or just something. Drill them out. Filled in. If you can smell, you're basically saying you want to be able to smell with your mouth. As well as my nose, ideally. Okay, but is morning breath going to be a problem? I think you would reach a point where you um, you get this kind of saturation effect sometimes with smells. So sometimes you smell something. Um, a prime example. Um, so I'm a delightful lady and I don't fart, but sometimes farts happen. And do you ever go to bed and you're farting like an absolute champion? And at some point you have to go to the toilet and you come back into the room and you're like, oh my God, what died in here? <laughs> And some of that's this kind of overloading of your olfactory receptors early on. They get burnt out. So I don't think morning face is going to be an issue because all through the night my face would be going, morning face is accumulating, ignoring that, ignoring that, ignoring that. It's a funny thing actually as well, the way your nose works for these symptoms because not only does it overload, but it also, you smell things sequentially. So like if we saw two colors together uh, and there's sufficient distance, they turn into a blur, they blur together. If we hear certain signs together, they'll eventually blur into signs. You don't blur smell. Um, so if you have two smells competing, you, you smell one and then the other. They're separated by time. And that's the way that your brain interprets it. It's the cocktail effect for uh, smell. Cocktail effect, the, the audio thing of if you're at a cocktail party uh, and there's the general hubbub, but someone is speaking, you can zero in and focus on the individual conversation. So although sound does blur, we have the ability to uh, to tune in to sounds like that. I thought because you were going to tell me something about Tom Cruise. <laughs> that was really odd. That's a different effect. But can, can, you have, then, can you have olfactory illusions in the same way as you can have visual illusions? Yeah, oh. apparently. Yeah. And, and Smell olfactory hallucinations are a thing, and I've heard that they're associated with neurological disorders and stuff. There's, there's something, I think it might be a... Uh, is it the plague where you smell toast before you die? Is that not just a stroke? Rachel, edit this if this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of diseases you get strange smells um, before the affliction. So in epilepsy, you can get uh, you can you can hallucinate. Uh, some people hallucinate smells before they enter into a seizure as part of the aura of the epileptic fit. So, so you can get that goes, that's activity in the brain. Oh, that'd be awful. Like, well, you go, oh, Stilton, I'm about to have a bit. Yeah, quite, quite genuinely. Wow. I think bad smells are usually the more associated thing than good smells. So it's not, I like Stilton, yay, Stilton. It's, oh, my God, cheese is going to make me, oh. Okay, so smells in the mouth, and you had a caveat to that. What was it? And I get to keep them in my nose as well. Okay. You were not... Yeah, all right. I'm greedy. I'm greedy. I like to eat things and smell things. And so why don't you just eat with your nose? Like, why don't you just go around snorting bacon? I think we're back to the why I can't inhale my dribble and okay. continue breathing. Fair point. Okay, that's a good pitch. We'll take that one forward. Shane, what have you come up with? Well, mine is not entirely unrelated to that, actually, because... Um, during our human evolution, you were saying that taste helps us to avoid things and tells us not what not to go near, but actually, to a large extent, taste also tells us what, that we, what we want and what we actually want to have. And this is leaving aside the olfactory receptors altogether. And one of the big tastes that we have is this, the taste for sweet. So when we were out hunting around in the rainforest or wherever we happened to be, um, you know, we'd be eking out our existence, we'd be eating the occasional insect, and we'd be scurrying around looking for roots and things, and it's a fairly basic kind of diet. But let's say we stumbled across a great big hive full of bees, and we swat away the bees, and we managed to find some way of avoiding them and uh, getting past the, the, the problems that they throw at us. We get this huge amount of honey that is beautiful and sweet, and we gorge ourselves on the honey, we take it back to the tribe, everybody slams down this honey, 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 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Calories, calories, calories. And we build up these calories and then that keeps us going until the next time that we get something like that. So we've evolved through um, episodes of large starvation. The people who want to crave as much of this carbohydrate as possible are the ones that are going to survive. So we've evolved to to have this craving after sugar. That's an issue that's causing a problem for us now in the modern world because sugar is not exactly the hardest thing to come across. But it's now doing us a lot of damage because we're getting it all the time. It's giving us type 2 diabetes and it's causing obesity and various other problems. It's causing um, type 2 diabetes, as I mentioned. So it's a, and rotting our teeth. So it's a big problem. We could use the newest genetic technology of the CRISPR-Cas9 pathway, which is worth a wee look up. You, you just threw that in. Go on, tell us more about it. So CRISPR-Cas9 actually is going to win a Nobel Prize and probably several Nobel Prizes in the very near future. It's only been discovered in the last couple of years. It, in the bacteria, bacteria have an immune system. Did you know that? They, what are they immune to? Viruses. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, b- bacteria, I mean, it's like big fleas of little fleas upon their backs to bite them, etc. Um, bacteria have viruses that infect them and cause them quite serious problems. But what they can do using this system called CRISPR-Cas9 is they can break up the, back, the viral DNA, insert it into their own DNA, make complementary strands of RNA that recognize any new viral DNA that comes in, recruit in enzymes that then say, oh, right, there's something going on here, latch onto the viral DNA and break down the viral DNA or RNA and thereby render that bacterium immune and its descendant bacteria immune to that virus. And it's an amazing thing. But we've been able to take that technology, change it around, and then use that to precisely edit individual letters of DNA. So out of those six billion letters of DNA that we have floating around inside our cells, so we can three. edit a. You can change it to DNB or something. <laughs> so we can individually edit these letters. So we can change genes at a very, very precise level. And in fact, the Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority have recently given the go-ahead to start doing this with human embryos, not for reproduction, but for research. So what I would be proposing is that we use the CRISPR-Cas9 technology to change the receptors in our tongues so that we don't taste sweet as much, or even better than that, the sorts of tastes of the things that are good for us 
our lettuces and our broccoli or whatever they got suddenly taste absolutely wonderful. So do you want to turn us into reverse hummingbirds? Yeah. Is that the plan? Sort of mummingbirds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than... Mm. Yeah. Reverse hummingbirds. So, oh, crikey. Um, we're running low on time anyway, so we have to go get cracking. Those are suggestions from our panel. But of course, we also have the brains here in our audience at the Black Box as part of Northern Ireland Science Festival. What ideas have these guys given you? Uh, well, please, Matthew. there was one or two similar suggestions. Uh, one is a television reference. It just says, I want Bernard's watch. Uh, <laughs> there's a laugh of recognition for people who have grown who, up who in the same Bernard? era as me. Bernard's watch was a TV show in the 90s. He was a little kid. He, he inherited a, pe- uh, a pocket watch from his grandfather or something like that. Uh, but when he pushed the button, it was like a stopwatch and time stopped. And he could do whatever he wanted. He could move, move things around and do whatever and then restart time whenever. He, so he had complete control. It caused a lot of debate among people as to whether if he stopped it for a long time, would he continue to age? Uh, and all sorts of weird things about you know, the time paradoxes this, this of that sounds, show. Um, strangely like physics and therefore I don't care. This is, okay, okay, okay. Well, someone else who also, they, 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 Dave Powell here, he said he wanted the ability to slow down time, which is similar, but you don't care about physics, so no, that's no, fine. No, okay, so no, 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 it's no, fine. Dave, Dave had a second suggestion as well. He said, I want the ability to slow down time or bigger hands. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is that better? <laughs> Dave, are you in the audience and willing to talk to us? Would you mind getting the microphone to that man? Because I will have to... uh, Actually, for a start, I want to look at your hands. (laughs) Dave, what will you do with your big hands? Well, they're both sort of uh, related because I'm a juggler, so both of them would help me. (laughs) Ah. Ah. So, okay, the thing that we do know you could perhaps alter is your perception of time. That is something that it seems to be... There's lots of pharmaceuticals and lots of um, chemicals... And recreational ones even, which I believe will alter the perception of time. Is that right? I know they're doing research on people, um, psychonauts, they, oh no, sorry, narconauts? Is that the word for people who do lucid dreaming? And they kept wondering for a long time if inception was right and was dream time different, and it, it doesn't appear to be. But there may be ways of like altering and, and learning uh, to change your perception of time. That could be a thing. Um, as regards the hands, though, <laughs> um, would everybody please give Dave a big hand for helping us out? <laughs> I will pretend that they were applauding my pun there. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Shane? What's got your eye from these guys? Well, there was one here on the hand theme. Uh, There's uh, someone, uh, Niall. Hands are not a theme. It doesn't have to be. (laughs) Well, (laughs) while we're here, um, he said more thumbs, and I'm not opposed to that. (laughs) Uh, Actually, this may please you to know again, we've got proof of principle here. Um, Koalas have two thumbs on each hand, so... Everything is a double thumbs up from them. They're the most positive creatures imaginable. Eh? And very okay. good at hitchhiking. Okay, um, got well, big, uh, more opposable thumbs. Um, Where? <laughs> they don't have to be in your hands. On, on your elbows, maybe, or something. Sticking on there. Where would you have an extra thumb if you could have one? I think on the hand still, but on the other side. Because so I'd go for my toes, actually. I think I'd, I'd go again full orangutan. If you look at orangutans, it's like they've got four hands rather than having hands and feet. Okay. Oh, but then you'd have trouble wearing shoes all day. But you could wear gloves. Yeah, but then they're not going to get the, the glass on the streets and the crunchy things. You can wear you'd swing gloves. Trees. 
metal gauntlets like chainmail gloves. People use that. I've got a mate, he's a, he goes diving with Humboldt squid and they have to use, uh, yeah. they're special gloves made for butchers to handle these things. This, this is a real thing, honestly. Oh, fine audience. I didn't like <laughs> it. <man. laughs> And um, um, the other thing that I, that I was say, uh, just going back to the testicles again, was uh, someone Jim has uh, said that a, a protective rib cage around the testicles. You can buy those in sports shops. An interesting thing. And then, <laughs> but then Emma, to to kind of come back to that, Emma says that we should have more sterility and a shorter lifespan because we're the worst, and then it'll be heart. And oh. I'll, it is a question, actually. Again, if there's any anybody in the audience who knows this, I have always wondered why. I mean, because a kick in the nuts is properly debilitating, and there are a few creatures out there which have learned the honey badger is so dangerous mm. because it's one of the few animals that has learned to go for the testicles. Not even a joke. In Terrifying. all species, or when it attacks humans? Uh, I think it's like lions and things specifically. Have, have any of you? Do you know what honey badger is? Um, imagine a badger with attitude, like more attitude. Do you know all this idea of like culling for TB? Right, the badgers, if they were honey badgers, would fight back. Don't let the sweet name make you think that they're kind of nice. No, so yeah, there are creatures out there which do know to go for the testicles. I do wonder, why do we have something which is sort of so precious um, for the continuation of our species in such well, a vulnerable place? There is a reason for that, and the reason for that is that the testicles don't function at 37 degrees C. Very well. So they have to be kept a little bit cooler than the rest of the body. So over the course of evolution, as humans have warmed up a little bit, well, as uh, our ancestors as well have warmed up, the, the testicles move down. And embryologically, our testes are actually inside the abdomen. They're well up there near the kidneys. And they move down during our development into this convenient little uh, flap that's made out of, uh, I think, Billy Connolly reckoned spare elbow skin <laughs> that, uh, that contains them outside. So they're, they're actually designed to be a little bit cooler. But I would have thought with our level up human abilities that we'd be able to find some other way of cooling them down and keeping them inside and So how about that, as an, as an edit, Jim, rather than having a, a rib cage around it, why not just have testicles that function at, at body temperature? High temperature. Tepid mm. testicles. Yeah. Toasty testicles. Toasty testicles. Yeah. All right. Toasticles. Toasticles. <laughs> Toasticles is on the list. Finally, Trina, what caught your eye? So first thing that caught my eye is someone who wrote in a green pen and remains anonymous for good reason. Less wisdom teeth. We have dentists to sort that out for you. We don't need to evolve to that one oh. um, and take some uh, painkillers. You'll be fine. <laughs> and the next one I think we should get Emma up for. Um, Emma's keen on that we should have suckers well, like an octopus. Don't, don't, don't oh, let her read I, it well, out. Well, I don't know. There might be more than one Emma in here. Um, oh, so we can edit that out, though. God. Thank you. Thanks. Do you mind being on our Emma, podcast, Emma? Emma, oh, would you... Can we get a microphone? I'm just checking the here. handwriting here to make sure this is a different Emma, because I think it's a You see, because there's multiple too. Emmas, you see, in a room statistic. She's standing up, but it's definitely this one. She's good. You made two suggestions. Oh, you can stay. Perfect. So I'm interested in your octopus one. Please, Emma, tell us your suggestion. Oh, uh, I was thinking of having, like, suckers, like on octopus tentacles, or maybe, like, I could settle for Velcro for, like, climbing or the sound effects when you, like, peel them <laughs> off, or so I'd spill my tea less. You see, this is so, a fantastic But I also thought sterility. I could do with. Are, are those two things connected? No, 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 <laughs> I just thought for my other one, like, I'd settle. Either make us... Better just kind of just okay. Can we, can we dwell on this for just one second? Because like the, the octopus yeah. testicles, we're testicles. Right? 
Octacles. The octopus suckers on the tentacles. We'll come back to that one in a second. But first of all, why I'm so are you glad so... you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> why are you so keen to make us all sterile? Oh, no, I just thought, because, you know, there's, like, so many of us, and other creatures probably could... They could get a chance now. Oh, so I you think. think, mankind, you've had your time. Give the gorillas a go. Global warming, yo. I'm just like... Uh, we could either like use less electricity or we could just die out, I think. Level down human. Oh, Game over yeah. human. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take issue with that because like I, I love humans. Some of my friends are humans even. It's really <laughs> No because because like Yeah, so do I, but then I wouldn't be there, so it wouldn't really matter. Be alright. <laughs> okay, now back back to the uh, <laughs> back to the octopus. Or back to the external <laughs> external but, storage. Those are my top three, I think. External storage for what? Sorry? Yeah, for like memories and stuff. You know, oh, just, you mean like a backup or offsite backup? And then, oh, yeah, yes. like an SD card, and you could just and you could live then online. forget where it was. I don't know where my <laughs> keys are, and it's on my USB key, and I don't know where that is. I'd uh, oh, yeah, I'd I really do. worry about this actually, because well, for a start, I suppose the actual answer is forget the SD card. Like we'll all be in the cloud, as people keep pretending. So our head could literally be in the cloud. <laughs> um, but actually, if we're going to have this idea, the thing that worries me is, again, technology's not always perfect. Like, what if I was wanting to cook lasagna and then have to wait half an hour for buffering <laughs> because I can't remember how to do these things? Give him a massive round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do take issue with um, the, the, the suckers and the octopuses, though, because just they are not the best thing out there. What you want is gecko feet if you want to stick mm. to things. Yeah, they've got incredible abilities to stick to stuff. They can stick to frying pans, unlike scrambled egg. Is, is that true? That's true. Um, Teflon is one of the few things that geckos can't stick to. So you've tried frying a gecko? <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be ethical to fry it, um, but to throw it at a frying pan would technically be ethical. <laughs> wow. You learn something new every day, Craigie. So, uh, okay, we had their suckers and sticking stuff. Is that all her suggestions for me? She had offsite storage for memory as well. Oh, offsite. You had a lot of good man, Craigie. Thank you. I think we bring Emma back. Yeah, we might, we might yeah. actually add some of those ideas if they get cut out into our... We've got a special post-bag edition coming up. Yeah, because like in our futuristic wor world, post-bags still exist. <laughs> okay, um, we've had some suggestions here from our audience. Now let's take some suggestions from the animal kingdom. Ladies and gents, what would you steal from these creatures? First of all, we have a fig wasp. Matthew, can you describe this to our people at home? It's, uh, it's like a wasp with a giraffe's neck behind it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What you're looking at there, that long sort of wiry thing, that is its ovipositor. That might be a clue to its special abilities. It's like a scorpion? It's kind of even more incredible. It turns out that this has got a drill bit topped with zinc on oh. the bottom of its ovipositor for getting all the way through into figs. Wow. Does everybody know how fig wasps reproduce? They lay their eggs inside of figs, and then you eat the figs. More or less, yeah. And then they burst out of your chest in the middle of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> no, but that would be a great parody, actually, wouldn't it? But so so this, this is the one for Level Up Wasp? Yeah. Its stinger is metallic. It's, it's, well, it's, it's not stinger, it's overpositor. It's not a stinger, it's overpositor. Okay, but it's, it's made of metal. Its lady parts have a really sharp end to them. And that's like naturally occurring metal. Yeah, yeah it has zinc, zinc tip drill it's bit. It's Wolverine the wasp. <laughs> yeah, that's... The fact that Wolverine is unhelpfully named after an animal makes that... <laughs> Sorry, Wolverine the superhero with the metallic skeleton and claws. Oh, you know, <laughs> one of the things that really... 
ticks me off about biology is how biologists keep having no inventiveness and no inventiveness in naming things and calling all animals after other animals like elephant seal like that's useful for learning an elephant shrew oh, anyway they do it on cell is, receptors is as there well. a shrew elephant no but if they're oh that would be so cute it'd <laughs> oh. be lovely okay that's our first suggestion uh, the female fig wasp with its zinc tipped drill bit um, what about this one? Here we have some coral. What would you steal from coral? I definitely wouldn't steal its ability to be bleached by ocean acidification. I do not want to be bleached by ocean acidification, please. <laughs> what is ocean acidification? That's, um, so we've all this extra CO2 knocking around the atmosphere, and when that mixes up with water, you get carbonic acid, which is an acid, and water, there's an awful lot of it in the ocean, there's a lot of CO2 in the air, and it dissolves in it. You actually raise, uh, no, sorry, you lower the pH of the sea, and basically you're making this really dilute bleach that the, o- the corals aren't very happy about, and a lot of sea life isn't very happy about. So the bleach is ammonia, though, so that's... Neg- so it's, well, no, it's bleach can, well, when we say bleach, we mean something that um, cleans or changes the colour of things. Because actually, you can get hypochlorite to bleach. Oh, okay. So, like, there's different types of bleach, um, not just domestos. But the poor corals, anyway, they're not dealing too well with this high acid. And on top of which, they're basically made out of limestone. So, any of you who remember being told about acid rain in geography were told that the burren was going to go away or other sorts of limestone-based landscapes around the world. It had gone away, isn't it? Is it still there? Uh, no, they put a visitor centre in its back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing I'd like to steal from these, personally, it turns out that uh, corals make their own sunscreen. Um, there are scientists who are trying to make a pill from coral com- chemicals, and you swallow it on those two days a year that the weather's nice, rather than putting on sunscreen so you make your own uh, apparently um, it is it'll be available within five years says an article that I read five years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you can actually make this and finally we have this one it's called Greening's Frog can you describe this to the people at home please Shane I, I have to say Simon this is the possibly the most beautiful frog I've seen in a very long oh, time you, we have not talked enough <laughs> he's, he's no, I love frogs. Frogs are the best creatures in the world. I've got an entire show about them, and that is not a pretty frog compared yeah. to some others. He's well, is, is it a he? He's he or she has got these enormous, great big eyes with a sort of rhomboidal pupil in them, and a big, long snout on them, and then a mouth that looks a bit like a shark's mouth. This, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first um, ever venomous frog that has been discovered recently. Uh, the thing that's incredible is, if you look there at its eyebrows, you can see it's kind of got these little spiky bits. Um, kind of poking up from the top of its head and from its skull. That means that it literally headbutts its prey to death. Whoa. And it turns out it's not found in Glasgow, it's from Brazil. Uh, it has a venom which a single gram could kill 80 humans, one of the most potent venoms we've come across. So how much each, each particular frog then, how many milligrams does it have on its eyebrows? How many headbutts in this yeah. case? And uh, that I'm afraid I don't know. Um, I do love also the fact that this can kill over... 300,000 mice. And you kind of think the scientist who just killed 299,000 mice, he should have just given up about that point. And no. Round it, but, you know. But, you, know you, you want to keep going. It's like whenever you're, you're driving or something, you want to see the, the, the number go up. So you'd probably have kept on going just that extra mouse just to, just to get the dial up, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that is our suggestions from nature. Now, Matthew, you are the judge for this evening, so you're going to have to take forward one of these ideas and we'll gotcha. take them back to our our uh, evolution committee, so to speak. So, what we've had, well, first of all, 
We had, Trina has made a suggestion that we have smell in the mouth and also keeping it in the nose. Shana suggested that we gene edit our taste buds to make us like broccoli. Dave wants big hands. And somebody out there wants opposable thumbs. Actually, why don't we copy those together? Because if you would really big hands, you've got more room for more thumbs. Yeah. Why not? I don't know what we're going to do. That We're all going to go full koala, aren't we, one of these days? <laughs> I do love it. It's a creature basically built for cuddling. But, oh, uh, you do also know Never Cuddle a Koala. Uh, they're dying out because of a massive outbreak of chlamydia. True story. Did you know, like, two years ago, some of the guys from One Direction, when they came back from tour being in Australia, got themselves tested because they thought they'd caught chlamydia from a koala? <laughs> that's what they that's said. That's their story. <laughs> nothing dodgy happened. If you must know it, peed on them, proven if nothing else, the koalas have got quite good taste in music. But, um, yeah, that's, quite, that's kind of true. Uh, and then we had a ribcage around the testicles or making testicles operate at a sensible temperature. Um, and then we had suckers of an octopus... Um, and letting humans die in general. It got a bit dark there for a second. What do you think? Did any of these catch your eye in particular? What well, would you like to see in our next human? The, the pun on toasticles was incredible. <laughs> that, that, that was. But then if you're sticking in the reproductive uh, range, we, we had the wasp with the, uh, with the wolverine uh, ovipositor. I've learned a new word. Uh, and then... Oh, yeah, and I didn't explain it. That would be useful. The thing it uses is sticking its eggs. Yes, uh, but the, the naturally occurring metal in nature, I, di I didn't know that was possible. Uh, that's, that's what I like. It's, so it's, you want to be able to steal zinc everywhere? I, I want, Do you just want blinged up humans? Yeah, I, I want to like, consume loads of zinc and not get zinc poisoning, but instead get metal would you not just Genitals. line you up as a... <laughs> You've thought that through, haven't you? People would start abusing you to be a zinc refinery, you know, and you'd be pissing out really bad metals then because you're only trying to keep the zinc for them to collect. Just if you needed zinc, would you chop the little overpositors off and you know, collect the zinc and then find that and use that in uh, industrial applications? I'm just imagining you peeing out ball bearings. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than kidney stones. Oh... Oh, so no, I don't want the overpositor anymore. Uh, it's the toasticles. Toasticles. I should point out again, there is proof of principle here. We do know that, say, elephants, for instance, they do keep their testicles more far in, but the place where they store the sperm, they keep close to the outside of their body for exactly the same reasons. Ooh. So alternatives do exist. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first. Testicles that work at body temperature and can be kept inside, that is going forward. We're going to put that into the gene bank. If you're wondering what a gene bank is, it's a lot like a normal bank, except it's filled with DNA rather than capitalist pig dogs. <laughs> Before we go, I'd love you to give a round of applause to our wonderful guests. We've had Trina O'Connell, we've had Shane, and we've also had Matthew. Give them a massive round of applause and our guests. <laughs> and the audience here at the Black Box Theatre and all the wonderful people at Northern Ireland Science Festival. Yay. I've been Simon Watt. Have a good night. It's been lovely talking to you all. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 